0: Welcome to today's edition of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Today's edition is a live teaching session called Teaching Church that took place here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene on Thursday morning, September 12th, for a group of pastors and leaders from the Virginia District Church of the Nazarene. And in today's edition of the Teaching Church, Pastor Rob Mills, who's the senior pastor at Cross Point Church of the Nazarene in Richmond, Virginia, came and shared the devotional, and he was followed by Pastor Adrian Mills, who's the lead pastor of Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, who came and shared about how to thrive during the summertime and also the difference between a leader and a
1: volunteer. Uh, Let me share a little bit about what we're going to do today, and then um, there's a old man over here that's going to come up and share the devotional. Um, I'm joking, it's my dad, so I can say all kinds of jokes about him. We uh, just kind of two main topics. Well, there's really one main topic, and then we're going to close with kind of the last 30 minutes of our session today um, with maybe some bonus content, we'll call it. But actually, it's Pastor Jim's fault here, Corbin. We were uh, the huddle that took place here just several weeks back. Uh, We were next to each other eating soup and salad and talking and just began talking a little bit about ministry and the topic of of ministry in the summer came up and just the challenges that that presents and no matter what your context and situation. And uh, I just thought more about that and it got me thinking and it got me reading and it got me researching a little bit on uh, the challenges that we face always in ministry, but certainly in the summer. Maybe you don't feel like that. And if you don't, then we'll give you a mic here in a minute and you can be the expert and share. But for most of us, we acknowledge that there's some challenges uh, within the context of ministry uh, in the summer. There's some blessings, there's some beautiful things, but there's some challenges. And so uh, we're going to grow together through that today and we're going to talk together about the challenges. We're going to talk together about maybe um, some opportunities that we have in the summer to take advantage of. And then uh, I think we're going to leave here with some real... Um, Not, hey, these are the 10 solutions, but I think some nuggets, some things that you can take back to your context and you can try. And I know um, it's September, so the last thing we're thinking about now is summer, but the reason we're talking about it now is because now's the time to really be strategically planning for next summer. So I'm not here to be an expert at all. I think around the table today, we're going to find some valuable um, solutions And then I will share just based on some of the things I've been reading, some of the things that are helping me. And then we're going to close uh, today by talking about this idea of leaders versus volunteers. Um, I love both. I believe in both. But I want to share a little bit of my heart and some of the things that God's teaching me, uh, and maybe it will help you too. With that said, I am going to ask my dad to come. He's going to come and share a devotional this morning and just kind of center our hearts on the word. And um, you probably have had time today, either while you were driving here or in your own time, to spend some time in the Word. So, certainly, if we believe in that. But uh, there is something powerful as we come together about just collectively uh, leaning into the Word. And then we'll have a time of prayer and then dive into our content for today. So, would you warmly welcome my father of many years?
0: I mean you've been my father. Uh Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Honor your father and your mother, and you'll have a long life, otherwise you're not going to live past this day. Uh, My claim to fame this morning is I'm the father of Adrian Mills. Uh, I remember we were doing a welcome dinner at Southside, and Adrian would be part of that welcome dinner, and he says, well, I'm Robin Sue's kid, and uh, that's what I'm known for. And uh, so the only way I'm known now is I'm the father of adrian mills and uh, yeah a lot of people are very complimentary to adrian you know his, his talent and his gifts his abilities i want you to know he got that from me that's right you yeah, because his mother still has it okay i don't you know so he must have got it from me because i just don't have it anymore well when he asked me to uh do a devotional i drew a complete blank i am going whoa what would i share but uh, i come to learn from you guys I gather so much from Teach Church, and I can tell you, many times when I didn't want to hear something, I heard it, and it was good for me. And I'm thinking, what can I possibly share with them? Um, But as we have received, we need to give. So I'm going to share you a little bit of where I was at. And shortly after, thinking about what am I going to say, and uh, an article, uh, and I get them electronically, as you probably do, uh, came across my desk. by uh, Joe McKeever, and I always look at the titles to see if I'm even going to dabble in it. You know, is it, is it worth my time? And this one said, Preaching is Easy, Unless You Want to Do It Well. Okay, <laughs> I need to read further. And I'm not going to read the article to you like that, but he starts off with the verse of Scripture here in 2 Corinthians 3:5. And says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. And that's the NIV. I also like the um, NLT. It's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. And, um, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, right? He qualifies the called, and I believe it. I've been there. Uh, so inadequate in what I, I'm uh, attempting to do, and he's made the difference. Uh, in, in this article, he says, "If you want to be a preacher and you're satisfied with what R.G. Lee calls sermonettes by nets for Christianettes, you know, uh, then that's easy enough. But I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm looking for more. I, God has called me to do more, and." Um, I go with uh, Henry and Richard Blackaby who said, God never communicates with us merely to give us a warm devotional thought for the day. We like those warm fuzzies. He never speaks to us simply to increase our biblical knowledge. Our Lord has far more significant things to reveal to us than that. And I believe that. And he's been working on my heart and my life. Uh, I've been in ministry for Well over 50 years, only um, over uh, 10 of those years uh, in a pastoral role uh, up to that point. It was uh, staff positions. In fact, my son was the one that prayed for my ordination because there were skid marks all the way to the platform. (laughs) And, um, you know, God calls, and so you, you answer. And I've seen um, in my ministry, I have just conducted way too many funerals for friends and parishioners, and I'm losing my peer group, so there's a lot less peer pressure. And so uh, <laughs> what I am attempting to do is not what's expected of me uh, by them, but what's expected of me by God. And if we are called, as we say we are called, now I do believe we are called, God... I believe, has a message for our generation and uh, for our culture. And I'm like Reverend James Sproul. uh, In a revival, he says, you know, I'm done preaching sermons. He says, what I want to do is I want to bring the message. And I'm going, oh, yes. And uh, he does it so well. See, sermons are easy. But getting the message across... And I'll speak to, about my congregation. I can't speak about yours, but getting the message across to my congregation that have been inoculated by their regular church attendance and are seemingly immune to knowing the heart of God when it comes to the lost and dying world that surrounds us. That is what's difficult. You know, I have regular attenders. In fact, the devil's one of them. But, you know, I have regular attenders. But do they feel the passion? Do they they sense the urgency that we have? Uh, I'm attempting to make it clear, like Run radio preacher articulated it. He says, if you're not willing to share the good things of God, what he has done and what he is doing for you, in a sense, you're telling the world to go to hell. And I'm going, oh, Lord, no, no. Do we care? And do my people care? And um, I, through the summer, have been preaching a series that maybe I should have preached in the fall, but you give it when God gives it. And i um, of trying to help prepare them to see what experiencing God is all about and then what He has for us as a church. Because I believe the church is ordained. You know, people are by left and right, leaving the church to just stay at home read the Bible. Uh, I had several of my church, and he said, oh, we still read the Bible. <laughs> well, have you read the part about the church? <laughs> because we have a mission. It's not just about us, you know? It's about him and them, you know? And I, I feel the need or the burden to deliver messages that remind us of what the mission of the church is because if we truly want to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and not just church members, then we're accepting the challenge in ministry. In fact, I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm definitely not courageous enough. And it's like what Rick Lance says, you don't have the morality, the mentality, or the maturity to do it yourself. And I was so blessed Sunday, our worship leaders picked out a song and uh, were... Sing it as they always do, but um, and we've sung the song before, but it just sort of it got to me, you know. We've sung it before, but now I'm getting the message. Have you ever been there? You know, okay. And you probably heard it. And it says, as they walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. Let the sun shaping the shadows in my weakness, your glory appears. I'm not enough unless You come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Dry bones awaken. (laughs) Come on. People are you hearing this? Dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And I, I love that line because all I want is all you are. And I have to ask myself, Rob, are you serious? Because sometimes we're attracted to things that maybe it's not what He wants. We, we in ministry, maybe it's just me. I'm just, again, just sharing from where I am. We're attracted to things that, you know, the good things, but not the best things. Uh, you're going to have to go to the Lord and find out how He wants this done. Is what I wrote here, and I, I, I used use the First Thessalonians 5:24, and it says, "Faithful is He who called you, and He will bring it to pass." Because so many times I've tried to do it, and no, 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 you know. He is faithful, He's called you, but He's going to bring it to pass. Sometimes I need to get out of His way. uh, Another translation I like of that is the uh, contemporary English version is the one who chose you can be trusted. And He will do this. You see, I'm learning like Peter that I have a trust issue with God. Uh, Now, the rest of you might not be a problem, but me and Peter, we were, we were in the same boat. And uh, Peter wanted to walk on water. Now, why he did, did he want to be with Jesus, or just did he thought walking on water is cool? I don't know why, but he said, Lord, is it willing? And God said, yeah, come on. And he walks out, and that's got to be a moment in time that's just unbelievable. <laughs> Can you imagine walking on the water with the Lord? (laughs) And maybe it was just for a second, maybe a little longer, but, you know, like Peter, like me, we get distracted with the peripheral things in our walk with the Lord. And we lose our confidence. So many reflect back on the story of Peter as a man who lost his faith in Jesus. But it was Jesus that Peter cried out to, to save him. He still had faith in Jesus. Jesus wasn't sinking. And so he lost his faith that Jesus could do it in him. And sometimes I feel like that, Why I'm crying out to Jesus to save me. But in actuality, the Lord says, I'm here. The Spirit is in this place. I'm here with you. Let me work through you. I think too many times we seek for all the answers and the problems in all the wrong places, as good as they are and as reputable as they are. We need to remind ourselves, or at least I must remember, the one who chose you can be trusted, and he will do this. Because you see, it's not by my might nor by my power, but by His Spirit. Constantly being reminded of it. Because the task seems so overwhelming. But He says, I don't want you to do it. I want to do it in and through you. I was blessed uh, uh, doing some Bible studies. Um, I conduct a Bible study on Wednesday afternoon and Wednesday evening. And uh, we're calling it BYOB. Now, if you know what BYOB is then you're acquainted with your mission field, okay? Because it's bring your own beer or bring your own beverage. But in our case, it's bring your own Bible, okay? Because we always put the scripture up on the screen for them. We stop carrying our Bible. So for this Bible study, B-Y-O-B, bring your own Bible. If you bring a beverage, please let it be non-alcoholic. But anyway, uh, we were talking in Ephesians about spiritual maturity and just asking the question, what is spiritual maturity? What does it look like? And of course, Paul's talking about it in there, and they were gleaning from it. But it wasn't until the next week, a lady came back in, and she'd been thinking about it all week. I said, Oh, yeah, good. And she came back and she says, I know better now what spiritual maturity is. I said, Well, share with us. And this is what she said She says, Spiritual maturity is when I can pray not my will, but your will be done. (laughs) Oh, That's it. Not what I want, but what you want. And God can be trusted. All for grace to trust Him more. Well, the article that I read was ending up with five motivational things that you need to do. And, of course, I modified them and rearranged them and added seven. You might hear them, and you might want to add to them or subtract. That's your prerogative. But um, there's... uh, The things that we need to do so that God can lead. Number one, pray without ceasing. Uh, I'm doing this more. You know, I've always known it, but now I'm learning It's, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or I'm getting ready to counsel someone. I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? And sometimes he says, shut up. And okay, okay. Because my prayer time is, now more consumed with listening than talking, because he started hearing me talk, and he said, "He wants to get something in." And so this praying without ceasing, where I'm going, I'm said, "You know, Lord, direct my steps, Lord, direct my path. What do you want to do here today?" And I found such a blessing. The other is, let the word of God live in you. So many times we talk about studying the Bible or reading the Bible, and I'm, uh, one of my accountability partners used to be a pastor, and he's in my church now, and he says, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm getting something for myself. I used to look at it to what I could preach, and he says, it's different now, and I think the word needs to marinate. I mean, we need to soak in it, and uh, memorize if you want to, but let it marinate be able, one of the helpful tools that I use is put it in your own words. I know it's the word of God, that's sacred, but put it in your own words so it becomes personal. Third thing, and I think this was in the article, and I left it as is, and it says cut yourself some slack. (laughs) You know, um, you're not going to get it right every time. Uh, Again, I'm speaking to myself, you guys, that's fine if you get it right every time, but... uh, Do the best you can, and sometimes we come up short, but it doesn't define me. What defines me is I'm a child of God, and if I fail, hey, I'm like Edison. I've learned something that doesn't work, and we might even try it again. Who knows? I learned something during my time at Southside in a building project. We were selling a building, relocating, building a building, raising funds, and it was a, a very taxing time in my life. I was way over my head, and it was a mission that God had us on, and and I was uh, glad to do it, but humbled by it. And I learned a term that I knew before, but I learned it this time: due diligence. And due diligence is you take what you have right now and you apply it. You decide. You go forward you don't let fear stop you because there's so many decisions we made that were long-term and we tried to gather as much information. I always try to bring people around me that's smarter than me. And, of course, that's not hard to find. But, you know, uh, bring those around me and they'd be educated decisions. But, you know, cut yourself some slack. And the next one goes along with it. I added this one. Cut others around you some slack. You know... Grace received, grace extended. And you know, I I find it a lot easier to extend grace to others when I first have received it myself. This one was in there, and I I almost scratched it. This is their recommendation because I'm I'm going to qualify it. It says, attend the best conferences. I'm saying, let the Spirit lead you. Don't do a cookie-cutter job. So many times I've seen, we've aired over the years, that somebody has done this, and so we bring it in, we're going to do this. And I like to think, as being a pastor, I'm a missionary, and I've got to know my culture, and I've got to speak their language, and I've got to love them where they're at. And sometimes they're not ready for what you've learned, and it needs to be implemented uniquely into your situation. Our missionaries have turned a corner. Uh, The mission field used to be about Americanizing the foreigners, and we've turned a corner on that. We're not doing that anymore, and I'm glad we're not, because what we do here in America just doesn't necessarily work everywhere else, and I'm not sure it's working here. But the gospel, the gospel needs to be preached. When I talk about uh, knowing your mission field, I remember hearing a pastor, he was just out of college, his first pastorate, he got this rural church, and I know it was a good little church, but it was very rural, and uh, hasn't grown much over the years, but their their mission field is, is very small in that little town, and he was talking about, yeah, this is my first pastor, and how things were going, one of the guys asked him, well, are you doing contemporary music? He says, no, not yet, but we're going to because I like contemporary music. Now, don't get me wrong. I like contemporary music. But sometimes that doesn't always work. And we have to, just because we like it, and I try not to pastor a church the way that I want the church to be. We try to let the Lord lead. And if we can work a contemporary course in there, that's fine. But... You know, I've seen a lot of jerk knee where we, some churches had success and we just tried to do it like they do it. The other thing that I put down here is have a team or accountability partners. I have them both. Uh, I have been so blessed. The, the first opportunity I had as pastor was I started seeking out other pastors to be my accountability partners, and I found that wasn't easy to do. There weren't a lot that were standing in line to be real with one another. And so I have a couple of laymen that are my accountability partners. One used to be a pastor and the other I think in a way is aspiring to be um in his own right, but that didn't matter to me. They were just willing to be real. And um it really helps me because I need accountability. I need uh, to be able to air what I'm thinking in a safe place, and test the spirits, and it's been great. The last thing that I put down is, it's his church, not your church. It's his church. I have to keep reminding him, see, he's the senior pastor of my church. I work for him. <laughs> I said, what does the senior pastor say? I don't know, I'll ask him. You know, um, and, and I get a joy out of that because you know sometimes I grieve over what's happening, and I keep reminding him, I said, this is your church. I can't do it you can and it's important that we don't forget our purpose i want to close with just an illustration that i used uh, sunday with my church that meant a lot to me um uh, taj mahal is regarded as one of the most beautiful uh buildings in all the world Uh, but you may not know exactly uh how the structure came about and some of you do it was after um the death of the emperor, Shah Jahan's uh, wife's death, uh, he was devastated by her death and resolved to honor her by constructing a temple that would serve as her tomb. So her coffin was placed in the center of a large parcel of land and construction of the temple began around that coffin. No expense could be spared for that final resting place had to be magnificent. But as weeks Turned into months and into years. The emperor's grief over his wife turned into a passion for the building project. He no longer mourned her absence. The construction consumed him, and one day, while walking from one side of the construction site to the other, his leg bumped against the old wooden box. He immediately dusted the dirt off his leg and ordered that the box be uh, disposed of. And... uh, What Shan Jahan didn't realize he had just ordered the disposal of the coffin of his late wife. And so the one the temple was intended to honor was forgotten. But the temple was erected anyway. There's the same danger in our churches that we need to remember what the purpose is. We're not called to attract a crowd. We're called to make disciples. We're called to tell about the excellent qualities of God so that others can be called out of darkness into the marvelous light. I really want it to be for my church. We're not there yet. And they'll say, oh, man, what a great building you have. No. And others will say, oh, you've got such a neat congregation. That fellowship is so sweet. It's a good group of people. I'll go, no. What I want them to do is look at my church and say, wow, what a mighty God they serve. There, there, they've got something that I need. Mm. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. It There's Christopher Joel Brown that said, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet with me again? Because all I want is all you are. Think of that line. All I want is all you are. Will you meet with me again? Father, that's our prayer. There's no way that we're not. We don't claim to be. We're codependent with you. Depending on you to sustain us. For when we are weak, you are strong. Yes, Father, be with us again. Inspire us to do your work. Do it right. To your honor. To your glory. To the reaching of the lost and the discipling of those
1: believers. In Jesus' name. It's Rob. I don't ever get to call you that. So. Thank you. That's good. A That's good. couple things we're going to do here. Um, Dr. Phil sends his regards. Um, he of course knows he's always welcome here but had some other um, kind of urgent things that came up and he was not able to be here. So I want to do two things uh, real quick. Uh, first is uh, we're going to pray. We're going to stop and pray for Dr. Phil and Cheryl this morning and Uh, But I put in the middle of your table just some colored note cards and um, I just had a thought today. Wouldn't it be cool if um, here in a couple days in his mailbox, if Dr. Phil and Cheryl would get some tangible encouragement from their district family? So I've already included a little note, but today maybe there's a scripture you would want to write, maybe just a brief prayer, maybe just a thought. Um, please encouraging. don't say, I think for the district title next time you should serve, you yeah, know, don't do that, because um, it's not a suggestion box, but <laughs> encouragement, prayer, so you don't have to do it now, but by the end, uh, if you would, write on those, and you can just leave them up here, and I will get those in the mail to him, and I think it will be uh, just a nice, I can't imagine, I, I cannot imagine the weight uh, that our district leader carries. Uh, Every time, I I can't imagine, every time the phone rings, oh, what is, you know, so wouldn't it be cool that we get to be a a source of encouragement? Um, So those are there in the middle of the table, so if you would take time before the end of teaching church today, just write a little note of encouragement and prayer, but uh, let's pause now. Uh, Brother Dave Bailey, would you just um, offer a prayer specifically for our leader, uh, Dr. Phil, and for Cheryl, and. We don't know. We don't know all the things, uh, the weights that he's carrying today. Some in the room may be aware of some, um, but we just want to lift up a prayer uh, of encouragement, of support, uh, and also just include our district in that, because we represent just a part uh, of a whole today. We're part of something much bigger. So Dave, would you just lead us in a prayer for uh, our district leader in our district today?
2: Father, we come to you now. We thank you so much for your love and mercy and grace in each one of our lives, Lord, as we uh, think of what Brother Rob was saying this morning, and uh, Lord, sometimes we try to uh, carry the weight on our own shoulders and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So thank the Lord that you're there for us. And uh, pray, Lord, for Dr. Phil and Cheryl today. We realize, Lord, the uh, heavy weight that they carry as district leaders. We just pray that you'd be with them especially Lord, we don't know what they might be going through even right now. We just Mm. pray that you lift them up and help them to know, Lord, that uh, we love them and care for them. and Especially, Lord, as he uh, uh, carries the weight of the district, that he would also, Lord, just uh, remember that you're there for him. And uh, it's in your hands. Mm. just pray that you bless our district leadership across the board. Mm. We thank you leaders that we have, and just pray that you would encourage each one of them. Lord, we're so thankful for uh, our meeting today and what it means to oh. us as we gather together and uh, just kind of share with each other and uh, kind of feel the uh, burden, Lord. is mm-hmm. not one that we carry alone, but it's uh, one that we all have together. Mm-hmm. Build our fellowship, Lord. Uh, help us to encourage one another. Help us to pray for each other mm-hmm. as we think about one another across these weeks ahead. Love you today, and just pray that you continue to speak to our hearts. Help us to be uh, open, Lord, to what you would have for us today. Yes. Your precious?
1: Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks. Couple things. Um, so, what we're about to do is we're going to dive in a little bit, uh, talking about I don't know. I don't. I'm not great with titles, but I called it a summer to thrive. Parentheses, not just survive. And maybe it feels like in ministry sometimes. That's what we try to do in the summer, just survive, just get through. And so a little bit of my background and context for those that don't know me as well. I started in youth ministry um, in two different contexts over about 15 years, um, college and then uh, vocational ministry. And so I learned pretty quickly ministering to students looks really different in the summer than it does during the year. And so maybe by necessity, uh, I just learned. Some things, I, I tried things that were terrible, terrible failures. Um, I tried some things and thought, oh, maybe that worked. I tried some things that worked for a while, and they didn't work for, you know, but they had a shelf life, as everything does. And so um, this is a, a concept today that I am not by any means an expert in, but I'm, I'm like you, leaning into it constantly to figure out in each season of ministry that we're in, how do we, how do we minister effectively? So I want to share with you just, I'll call them principles. These are not do this and this plus this equals this, but I think these are some principles that certainly were affirmed around our table, but I think are really helpful, and um, as we're thinking of summer, as we're approaching ministry in the summer, I think these six things are really, really important. The first is that you have to be intentional. We have to be intentional, so if you're going to pull back in the summer and you're going to, you know, as as Pastor Bud gave the example, we're going to lessen our children's ministry load, or we're going to... Do that, but be intentional. Why are you doing it? Are you just doing it because it's summer and you're tired of trying to get people to show up? Are you doing it because there's intentionality behind it? No, this is a season of rest. And so, if you're intentional, you have to cast vision for why you're doing what you're doing. And so, um, I think that's important. As you think through these ideas that you'll get, you could just like pick them and let's do them. But don't do that. That's a terrible reason to do it. Be intentional um what is it that our goal is what is it that after the summer i think we said start with the goal in mind so when we get through the summer what's our goal our goal is we want our families to be more rested we want our volunteers to be re-engaged we want to raise up new support we want to experiment with some different ways to do ministry we want to reach our community and so whatever it is i think be intentional and that's that's really really helpful The next is you got to be strategic, and that's not everyone's favorite word in the room. Some of us are really better. Some of you like eat, breathe, sleep strategy. Some of us, that's not really our thing. But I think this goes, it's similar to being intentional in that um, you have to build towards something specific. So something that worked for us this summer, and this is not at all a magic bullet, but it's just something that worked. I just felt led really a year ago that it would be really awesome in the summer if we spent one week serving our community as an entire church, leveraging you know, all the opportunities we have to get outside of the walls of our church and serve. And rather than picking another week of the year, we said we're going to do it the same week as Vacation Bible School, which is already our busiest week of the year. But we're going to leverage one week, get as many people as we can serving. Obviously, VBS happened here, but it's really a focus on serving our community, serving outside the walls. And so we built a week and we promoted it for months. And what I said is this is being intentional, but being strategic is like, you know, save the date. We didn't promote seven things happening in the summer. We promoted one thing. This is the one we called it best week ever. This is the week to focus on. Now, maybe that won't work in every context, but for us, man, it created a lot of excitement, It created a lot of momentum in a time during the year where attendance can be down a little bit. There was a lot of exciting things happening that week. And it gave us a lot of momentum in the middle of the summer. So, How did that
0: impact uh, Sunday?
1: Oh, it was a, an incredible because we celebrated the kids for VBS. We got to stand up there and, you know, look at pictures of all the things that we were able to do, lives that were impacted. Yeah, it was, it was powerful. Um, and so... what so you wh- celebrated on the weekend. Yeah, the Sunday was the celebration. Hey, look at what we were able to do and be a part of. So I just say that that there was some amount of strategy involved in that. Who do we want to be? What do we want to do? okay. And we killed some stuff on the calendar. Like we're not, we've always done that. We're not doing that this year because this is going to be our main focus. And so um, I would just encourage you, yeah, remove clutter in the summer to focus on what's critical. I wrote this down. There's a difference between a summer strategy and summer events. So there's great events and ideas listed on these things that we, but don't just put events to, well, we're going to have a party in the park and then we're going to watch movie and then we'll worship at the lake and, have a strategy. Why are we doing that? What is the purpose? And then what are we building towards? I think that's really important. And it works in different contexts in different ways. Um, the next, and a lot of these are things that you guys have said. I'm just um, kind of reemphasizing. I think it's okay in the summer that we measure success differently. I actually think we should be doing this all the time anyway. But I think in the summer it reminds us of that. Um, I don't think success in your church should be measured by how many people showed up Sunday. That matters. It absolutely matters. But if you are taking, you know, if you're looking in the mirror and feeling good or bad about yourself based on how many people showed up or how many dollars were on the offering plate, that's just more to what we're called to do than that. So I would just challenge you, especially in the summer where maybe your attendance is going to be a little down, maybe it is going to be a a little bit leaner financially, measure success differently. One idea over here is uh, focus on training up new leaders, So maybe your summer strategy is we're going to, you know, train, disciple three new leaders this summer so that when the fall comes, they're ready to engage in serving or engage in small groups or engage in. that's an incredible way to measure success and celebrate that. Celebrate that. Man, look at new people that were stepping up in leadership gather new families together. So maybe success is measured differently in your context by, you know, there were five families that we gathered with in their homes or in their communities or at the park, or um, we were able to engage on their level in different ways. Again, in your context, it might look different. Um, yeah, maybe measuring success. Like for us, we were more present in our community than we've ever been this summer. That was success for us. And Maybe less people did show up on Sunday than they show up in the fall. But we felt like, man, God, thank you. You really helped us um, because we measured success a little bit differently. Um, So those are just, that's, uh, what am I, number four, I think. Next one, I think maximize technology. Um, Maybe I missed that. There it is. Maximize technology. Everybody's different. Everybody's context is different. Some of you love technology. Some of you hate it. Some of you are in a church where you feel like, I just think whatever context you're in, I think the summer is the perfect time to maximize technology. That if you don't have uh, some creative way that people can give during the summer by not being there, even, uh, and this isn't even a technology, but if finances in the summer are a challenge, then spend your springtime getting people committed to you know, have their tithe withdrawn. You know, uh, ACH. That doesn't cost anything, and that's not technology. It's just setting it up. But yeah, online giving. Um, that's something that you can spend a lot of time. And maybe you measure success in the summer by, man, we had more people committed to giving this summer, even when they weren't here. And you can celebrate that. Some of you have experimented a little bit with Facebook Live and making other, whether it's your worship service or your small group study, or you make it available. Um, so that people who aren't there physically can still join in and connect. Maybe you at least record your sermon and make that available. If you do that, spend time during the week putting that out there so that people that weren't there could still stay connected and engaged. I think any way that you can to maximize uh, technology, I think that's really, really important. And the last one, uh, I had them out of order, but uh, excellence matters. It matters. I think in the summer, relaxed is okay, but lazy is not and there's a difference. It's okay if you want to give your worship team the month of July off, and you're going to just do acoustic guy up there on a stool. That's okay, but it shouldn't look like acoustic guy on the stool showed up that Sunday with no idea what was going on. I mean, set an atmosphere, dim the lights, do more reflective. I think there's a way that we can do relaxed and it still be excellent. Um, If you want to go have your service at the late, do that, but don't not plan anything, and don't not be intentional. I think There's a difference between communicating or giving our leaders the month of July off so that they can rest, and we're really tired of beating them over the head to get here, so everybody just go home and take a nap. So I I think there's a way that we can still pursue excellence, even if we choose to cut back in some areas and do some things differently. So that's it. Uh, You will never find this published anywhere because um, it's just me. These are my thoughts. But I think many of the things that I'm sharing with you um, are things that you've shared in these last few minutes that we've had. So again, to review kind of these six principles, the first is to be intentional And the second is be strategic. And those are probably the same thing, but just worded differently. But don't, you you need a strategy for your summer. You need to think about what are we going to do? What do we want to do differently? And I know, I'm I'm saying we, what does God want to (laughs) do? What does he want to do through us? And how can we use the summer to accomplish that? You want to measure success differently and give yourself permission to do that. Cut yourself some slack, I think, was the devotional that we heard. Try new things. I think I skipped that one, didn't I? Some of you are like, Is he bad at counting? All right. I don't know where it went up here. Um, I I think I skipped this one on on accident. Try new things. Try new things. Somebody over here um, mentioned a new Sunday morning format. You may try a new way to greet guests. You may have an intentional time of fellowship after a service. I saw a church that gives freezy pops out in the parking lot during the summer. Maybe things that you would never try any other time of the year, but the summer is the perfect time to try new things and say, how did that work? How did it go? Um, Let's step back and assess And if it didn't go well, there's a little bit more permission in the summer that you were trying new things. So uh, be intentional, be strategic, measure success differently, try new things, maximize technology, and excellence matters. Six ideas, six thoughts that I think can help us. All right, last thing. This is something I've been um, reading a little bit about, studying a little bit about, trying to learn more about and some of what I'm about to share and this is really just kind of like bonus content you know if you have a podcast that normally puts an episode on once a week and then every now and then there's an extra one that pops up and you're like bonus or you go to Chick-fil-A drive-thru and you pull out your thing of fries you eat them and there's three fries left in the bag Bonus. so these are bonus fries okay so maybe you don't want bonus fries so that's fine but if you want This is just something I'm sharing. Uh, Maybe we'll do a longer uh, teaching church on this in the future, but I began just a year ago when I became the lead pastor here, just thinking terms. I think our language matters. I know that sometimes it can feel like semantics. It can feel like we're splitting hairs, but I I do think our language matters. And so forever, and we still use the language of volunteers here. um, It's probably at times the best word to use that um, communicates effectively. Well, what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for people to volunteer. We're not offering to pay them. So yeah, we were talking about volunteers, but I just became kind of convinced as I was praying and studying and reading a little bit that I think i I love this. I love volunteers, but man, in our church, I don't want to just raise up volunteers. I want to raise up leaders. And sometimes we read leaders and think, well, that's the paid people. And, um, I hope, I hope the paid people at your church are leaders but man, I just I want to foster a culture and create a culture where I like this, but man, I love this. And for me, what is the difference? And again, you may say, well, that's just language. But for me, a volunteer sometimes, to me, I think about like a chaperone, right? Like when I go on a field trip with my third grader to his school, and I'm volunteering, right? I'm a chaperone. What's my job? My job is to survive and to keep everybody alive and to get home, right? Like that's my job as a, and I, and when I get home or I get back to the school, I don't walk in with the teacher and is there anything else I can do? I'm like, Hey, I did it. I'm out. Let's, you know, and it's because that's, I'm, I'm coming to serve a very specific role for a very specific time. And then I've got I got stuff to do. I got to go home. I got to go to work. I gotta right. And, and so sometimes when I think of this kind of language of volunteer, that's the the connotation. Sometimes with the idea of volunteer, I, I think of doers. Doers do what I'm told. Show up when I'm supposed to. Some of you wish you could have volunteers that would just be doers. Just do what you're told, right? But and that's a good thing, right? But the problem is is they don't necessarily have a lot of ownership. They don't necessarily have any interest in going beyond just the set tasks that they've been given to show up and do at that specific time. And again, if we had a choice between nobody and somebody that could show up and do what they're told, we'll take that person. So don't get me wrong. But I just began to pray and believe that maybe we desire more or cash vision for more in student ministries. When I was involved in that, we would call our volunteer staff, our student ministry staff, and they weren't paid staff. They were volunteer staff, but and kind of inherited that language and used it a lot and I realized the reason I liked it is because that language inherently had more ownership. More ownership that you're just not a you're not just a volunteer, you're staff. You're a part of our team. And so whatever language you begin to use, I think it's helpful um, to begin again, it's a little bit like we talked about, you gotta be intentional and be strategic. Who is it that you're trying to raise up? Who is it that you're going after? And use the language, again, that supports that. And so a couple things and reasons, and again, I'm not trying to just give you lists. Hopefully this one's at least in order. This is what makes me excited about raising up leaders. I believe leaders are connected to the mission. I believe leaders connect to the mission. That again, if you use the analogy of me showing up at Peakview Elementary School with my third grader, I'm there, I'm showing up because they needed me. Maybe I felt guilty and the teacher said, we are desperate, we need one more parent. I'll go, right? And so no one's ever done that in your church, right? We really need more nursery workers. I'll do it, right? It just, like, I I get that. And in some ways, like, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for someone that, hey, there's a need. I'll fill the role. I'll fill the need. But I have found, more often than not, that person's not really going to stick long-term. Probably, more often than not, if they're doing it because either they feel guilty or it's just a need and I love Jesus enough that I'm going to do it. Uh, probably over the long term, they're not going to stay connected in that. A, because maybe they don't have a lot of passion for that, but B, because they don't have any uh, connection to the mission. And so I I just think there's a difference between, hey, we need uh, nursery workers and casting vision. Casting vision would look like this. Hey, you remember last week, uh, Sarah Smith, who was baptized? Do you know that Sarah Smith has two little kids and she comes to this church and every week, We have faithful people in the nursery that care for her kids. And do you know that last week when we baptized Sarah, do you know who also was celebrating? The people back in the nursery that every week have been watching her kids so that she could come in and hear about Jesus. And now her life is being changed. And those kids are growing up in the house with a mom that knows Jesus. Do you see the difference between we got a role that we need to fill and, man, connect to the mission? Why do we need people serving in the nursery? Well, it's because... A, we believe that's ministry, but we believe that it's connected to our greater goal, our greater purpose of helping disciple people, helping them grow. And so I I just think that that's true, and that's something that time and time again, um, sometimes, for me, volunteers serve a role, but leaders join the mission. And so I'm praying, Lord, help us raise up leaders, because I want leaders that will connect to the mission. Uh, The next thing, leaders take some ownership leaders take ownership. And no matter what word you use, again, don't get caught up in the semantics, the language. We want to raise up a culture of people that take ownership, that take ownership, ownership of the mission, like we just talked about, uh, ownership of their area of responsibility. And this is, this is where there's a difference between doers and leaders, right? Uh, Carrie Newhoff uh, who's an author, speaker, writer. He says, doing doesn't scale, but leading does. In other words, if you recruit and maybe you're trying to grow your children's ministry, we need three more people to serve. And you, you get them, hey, show up at this time. And every week when they show up to church, they're finding you, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And every week you tell them what to do when they do it. I mean, that's great and that's helpful, but that team is limited. Why? Because they always have to come back to the same. What do I need to do? What do I need? They're doers. But if we can begin to create a culture and train and raise up leaders to take ownership, man, that can scale because then it's not dependent on one person always having to tell them what to do. They understand when I show up, I'm taking ownership of the setup. I'm taking ownership of signing everybody in. I'm taking ownership of making sure, you know, the snack is whatever it is. Ownership can be small things, but it's ownership. Hey, that's your thing. You've got it covered. I don't need to hover over you and um, watch over you and make sure that you're, no, you're, you're taking ownership because that's. That's what we want. We want folks that can be trained and equipped and empowered, but then they can lead because leaders take ownership. Two more things. I think leaders maximize influence, maximize their influence. Leaders lead others. That's kind of why they're called leaders, right? Because what is the statement? Like if, You think you're a leader and no one's following you. You're just going for a walk, right? Leaders have followers. And so one of the beautiful things is if we can create a culture, not just of volunteers, but of leaders, then man, we are gathering people around us that have influence. Some of the best small group leaders that we have at this church were incredible small group leaders because once we were able to kind of cast the vision and they took some ownership, they had such influence that through their leadership, Two other, three other small groups were birthed. Why? Because they became saying, man, I, I, this person, I'm really watching them. And I think they could be a future leader. And I've been praying it and, and, and meeting with this person. I think they could be a future leader. And they just have influence over others. And again, that's influence that multiplies. And so uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see uh, leaders influencing others. It's one of my favorite things when I was involved in student ministries. One of my favorite things in small group ministry, is when we can see our lay people uh, show up and begin uh, to take ownership, to have ownership of the mission, um, to be involved, but then to have influence on others. It's a beautiful thing. Now, some of us, we want to be careful because we don't want them to have bad influence. I understand that. We want the right kind of influence. Uh, But I believe leaders maximize influence and impact those around them. Uh, finally, I think leaders respond to challenges. Respond to challenges. They're energized by responsibility, not overwhelmed by it. Now, we don't want to beat them down. We don't want to overwhelm them. But that's who we want, right? We don't want people that just show up and at the moment responsibility comes, the moment that the challenge dries up, they just shrink down, they fall back. I don't know what to do. I don't. No, we want we want to train and empower leaders who respond to challenges, to who rise to the occasion. Not everyone's wired that way, of course, but I think through training and casting vision and support, we can help. We can help bring them alongside and create a culture of leaders who respond to challenges. Um, some of the most rewarding times, again, in ministry is seeing leaders in student ministries. We believed early on, uh, I believe that if I was the youth pastor, I could get to know like 20 kids really well, maybe and know their names, and their school, and their favorite food, and their hobbies, and show up to their games. But beyond those 20 kids, we couldn't reach anybody else, because I just can't know more than 20 kids really well. So we believed early on that we had to empower leaders to be involved in their lives. And so one of the most rewarding things is when I could see ministry lived out through other leaders to the point where I don't think they even need me in the room right now. I don't. Either. Why? Because they were in small group discussions and a hard topic would come up or they would report back to me, hey, this person, their parents are going through a divorce, but we were able to pray together and why they were responding to challenge. The moment the hard times came up in that conversation, they didn't run and come get me. You know, They were prepared and equipped to respond to challenges. And I think that's what we want. Ultimately, we've got to change. Maybe our mindset. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's our language. Maybe it's our expectation. But what are we aiming for? The famous statement: If you aim for nothing, you get it every time. I think some of us, if we're aiming for a culture of people that just show up, and do what they're told, and go, then maybe that's the culture that we create. But if we aim for a culture of leadership, leadership that involves connecting to the mission and taking ownership and having influence, and responding to challenges, then I think the Lord will help us. It's entirely possible, I wrote this down, for many of us, we're creating a culture of doers instead of leaders. And we're frustrated that folks aren't stepping up, but we haven't cast the vision. So, two things, not my thoughts, as we close. This is helpful. John Maxwell, maybe you've heard of him. He says, good leaders develop ideas, great leaders develop people, but the best leaders develop leaders. I mean, that's cute, and it, you know, it fits really well on the screen, but it's true. And Craig Rochelle says it this way. He says, we don't find good leaders, we build them. I think every church is always praying, Lord, send us good leaders. Oh, Lord, you, know, you look across town. The Baptists, they've got all the good leaders. Why can't we? Well, man, I, I pray God sends you some good leaders. But until we can learn to create a culture where we can inspire and we can train and we can... Don't ask them for God to send you leaders if you're not willing To build them up. So begin praying now. You may feel like I don't got many people. But start with who you have. And pray that Lord will help you create a culture. um, Not just of volunteers but of leaders. With that I'm going to pray. Because it's lunch time. Thanks for coming to teaching church today. Uh, We'll do this again in November. November something. I'll look up the date before we say amen. But we'll see you again then. Thanks for coming. And uh, some of you will connect over lunch. You should. Some of you are driving. Uh, Have a safe trip home. Thanks for being here today. Uh, But we look forward to seeing you here again next time. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I believe you care about everything we've talked about today. Um, This is your church, and we don't take that lightly. We don't try to take ownership of your church, Lord. In fact, we lead with hands that are open, uh, with arms that are open, um, saying, Lord, uh, you lead. We want to follow you. You are our rabbi. And so we um, just pray that in these days you will lead us. Lord, we haven't come here today to try to figure out a, a magic formula of how do we get better in the summer? How do we raise up leaders? How we, Lord, we believe that you care about this even more than we do. So as we turn our hearts towards you and as we ask you to help us have clarity, and have focus, even some strategy moving forward, I pray that as we look uh, to this next year, this next season of ministry, Lord, there'll be incredible fruit. I thank you that we started uh, today celebrating and I pray that we would end this time together celebrating, Lord, the good things that you're doing, the lives that are being changed, the families that are being strengthened, the victories that are being won. It's all because of you, Jesus, and so we're grateful for that. So would you uh, send us from here, commission us to be your leaders, your leaders that you need us to be in each and every one of our contexts, Lord, may we never feel alone Because may we know that you're with us, Lord, but we're surrounded by leaders like leaders at these tables that are walking, wrestling, trying to figure out what it means to be faithful to your great commission in such a time as this, Lord. We love you, and we're grateful. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.